The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited to have you join us today while we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Just breathe that in wherever you are right now. Just imagine a life of peace, wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Can you even imagine living a life of peace every day? Well, I'm here to tell you that, yes, it's possible. Yes, you deserve it. And, yes, you can have it. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And today is no exception. We have a fabulous guest today whose background is amazing. Uh, He's just done about everything. You know, I'm passionate about the arts, and he's worked in the arts and lighting and just been everywhere, worked with shamans, worked in acupuncture. I mean, the He's done it all. (laughs) Mr. Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons, welcome to the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James. Thank you, Dr. Drayvon James. It's really nice to be with you today. It's great to hear your voice again. Yes, it is so wonderful. I can't tell you how excited I am to have you here after visiting your marvelous church in Williamsburg, uh, Virginia, the Unity uh, Center there in Your topic today delights me. Your topic today excites me, and I want to just jump in. Well, I'll let you talk a little bit about yourself, but I'm super excited to talk about the habitual words that we use, and I know that I, as I always do, I start introducing the topic everywhere I go to people and asking questions of them, so I have some questions that I brought with me for people who may or may not be able to call in, but I would like to start off by just letting you talk to us a little bit about your background and what you're currently doing. Well, thank you. Um, So my background is, um, uh, it is really diverse as you, as you spoke of in your, um, in your introduction. Um, um, I was an active duty um, soldier in the air force and a sailor in the Navy in the 1970s. I graduated high school uh, from Central Catholic High School in Lafayette, Indiana um, in 1970 and immediately went into the military. And I uh, joined the military, the Air Force, in in August. And by uh, December, Christmas Eve that year, 1970, I was um, stationed and living in um, uh, Frankfurt, Germany. And um, and literally, um, my whole life just shifted beyond belief. Um, one of the things that happened as a result of that was 
um, the lady in a house where I was living off of the base, um, the grandmother had been growing roses. And so my German wasn't very good and her English wasn't good, but we were able to talk about the fact that those roses were of a strain that had been in her family for a few hundred years. And at that moment, I realized that this lady's roses were older than my country of origin. And um, it really affected my consciousness. And I began thinking about how broad a spectrum um, this life is and how we live in it. And from there, it just went on. And as you said, I was able to work in the music industry. I traveled with A-list bands at the end of the 70s and was involved in the 82 World's Fair in Knoxville and ended up in Santa Fe working in the gallery scene and with the Native American spiritualism that was there at the time and still is. Um, and then um, um, over a bit more of a journey, I ended up reading uh, Emmett Fox and in the mid, in the early part of 20, I don't know, 13, maybe I've been trying to read it actually for a number of years, but I never could I never could really read it. And then finally it clicked one day and I was unable to put it down. And the talk that uh, that um, Emmett Fox gave at Unity Village in 1932 that was called uh, Life is Consciousness really impacted me to go, wow, I wish I was alive when he said that. And I wonder if Unity is still around. And um, lo and behold, I was in Cleveland at the time and less than a mile up the street. When I looked it up on the on Google, I looked it up and it's like, oh, my goodness, there's a Unity Spiritual Center right there in Westlake. So that's where my my journey of gathering consciousness about the expression of God uh, landed me and I finally felt at home. And from that point forward, I began studying uh, the whole of unity principles and the whole of the consciousness of the presence of God with us wherever we are. And um, um, in, in ended up in the seminary, an independent seminary from Unity Village, and then ordained. And now I am, in fact, the minister at Unity Williamsburg Spiritual Center uh, here in Williamsburg, Virginia. So there's the thumbnail, at least. <laughs> all of that. How amazing is that? And as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, all of this from a conversation about roses in a foreign language, nonetheless. So we can only imagine how choppy it must have been. But it just reminds me of something that I tell myself all of the time, is that there is no chaos or randomness in the universe. It just really isn't. It's just people who are not paying attention. And, of course, we are so grateful that at that moment you were paying attention. The universe was knocking, and you were paying attention. You heard that call. It, it sparked that inquisitive nature within you to say, hmm, amazing. Imagine that. And one question led to another question, led to a lifetime of study, and for which so many people benefit, myself being one of them, having been in your presence and just um, Glean a little bit of your wisdom at that time that we were together, but 
this knowledge of what we can do for each other and and what we can learn from each other when we listen and, we, and we're and we're quiet enough. And I wonder if that conversation had been in English, had been in your native tongue, or if both people had been the same. Maybe there wouldn't have been that close attention. You know, sometimes when you're paying, when you're when everything is so ordinary, we we tend not to give it close attention. But it being perfectly timed and perfect in the perfect language to make you say, "Ha, ah, that those roses are older than my country." Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and we and like you said, it's we never, I never know from which direction it's coming. Which why being alert and attentive to what's going on um, is so important uh, for each of us who have chosen to to live the journey of personal enlightenment and personal understanding of our individual divinity it's it's absolutely incredible truly is it is it is incredible and then then even now see now my mind is you got me going there reverend paul (laughs) because as you say as as you say that even it sounds it sounds so heavy but it but it is so light really you know it's just you know my yoke is easy but to remain in this consciousness because it's it's a feathers I mean, this is a small thing. Really talking about really? talking about roses, but it's huge in the fact that you think in in our humanness and our fleshness, there is a desire to be you know to be perfect, to pursue this perfection, and think I don't want to miss anything. But it is in the letting go. I think because in that moment you didn't know that it was going to you didn't know that the conversation was going to take you there and take you on this journey, and you were going to be a blessing to so many lives because of this conversation, because you had done a lot of things, a lot of stuff. I'm like, wow. Well, and, and it was, didn't, you know, it didn't play out overnight. That's the other thing I think is so, so important to remember is, I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And so I can look back across it and go, oh, and here was a pivot point. But in that, mm-hmm. in that very moment, it was just a conversation where I had this momentary aha that allowed me to become just ever so slightly more conscious of what was going on around me in the in my day-to-day life, um, which in fact led me to read start reading people like uh, Baba Ram Das. It, it led me to begin to read about. Um, to read the Bhagavad Gita, it, it allowed me to begin to read all kinds of different things that kept expanding and expanding on the idea that um, we're all in this together and there's no separation between you and I and anything else in this three-dimensional realm. Right. So all there is is really this energy. We can call it love. We can call it a number of things and the becoming of a person that I love how you said that it didn't it didn't hit you like oh this is who I'm going to be I'm going to be this in that moment but it is the unveiling of the truth in ourselves and the making of us one decision at a time right one Absolutely. challenge at a time right it's in, right. it's all about that and being being available staying in that available space which leads me to this fabulous topic for today which is the habitualness of our words 
talk to me a little bit about what you mean when you talk when you talk about habitual words. Well, so what I find so surprising is is it 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 goes all the way back to fundamental fundamental new thought principles, fundamental unity principles that um uh, you know the the number one basic principle of the you know of the unity movement is there's one presence and one power in the universe and in our lives, and that's God the good. And <clears throat> there's one presence and one power in in our lives and in the universe. So that God the good is everywhere all the time. Um, it's it's it is in fact the essence of who I am. And um, so we are trained or we are conditioned to have the idea in this society, in this world, it's not like a society, in this world we live in, that um, we are our bodies and that the strength comes from our body's ability to survive and gather material consciousness as it moves forward so as to be able to predict what an outcome may or may not be in any given situation and then act accordingly, which, you know, works uh, to a point. But as we begin, as I begin to drill down and I look at the fact that this presence is in fact the essential aspect of my being and that the mind that's in my head is actually connected to this same presence, and we refer to it as divine mind or God mind um, or mind alone um, as, a, as a representative of God, then I can begin to realize that my thoughts are powerful experiences. And so if I start to think about thought as a powerful experience, I, I can look at something like uh, a, a, a man on the moon, like, you know, uh, uh, John Kennedy, President John Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon in a few years. I can't remember what the quote was. Well, you know, that whole idea began from that whole activity began from a fundamental idea. You know, one idea, one thought, man on the moon. Now, needless to say, it was a lot more complicated then, but I'm just simplifying it. And the thought, man on the moon, then became something somebody spoke. And it was spoken that we are going to have a man on the moon in so many years. As compared to saying, we can never put a man on the moon. And so if we if we synthesize that down and we just look at our day to day uh, uh, references or how we speak day to day and like a friend of mine had this um, something that they said all the time. They said it in almost every sentence, you know, like just it was just it was like it was like the word like Drayvon. <laughs> every every time people are talking and I'm the same way, I'm like, well, like, if you know what I, oh, like what I mean. Um, but th what this person said was, 
I don't see. I would say something to them and they go, well, I don't see how that's possible. Mm. And I would say, and I would say, well, we got this and that going on. And they go, well, well, I, I just don't see that that will ever come to fruition. And so that was like their catchphrase, if you will. Does that make sense to you? It absolutely does, because you know what? There is, again, I think this is somewhere in the Bible that every word will give account for every word. I know I'm paraphrasing and getting it twisted a little bit, but there are no idle words. Our words absolutely. have power. And, uh, they, and they are sent forth in the universe to produce something. They, they, they don't just fall idly. So I, I am following you 110%. So this person and I continued this conversation and continued our interaction over a while. And one day I was standing there talking to them and they grabbed their eyes and they were holding them. And I'm like, what? what's going on? I said, oh, I have such pain in my eyes. I'm like, really? You have pain in your eyes? They go, yeah, it's some kind of medical thing. And I get this pressure and it's blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And I said, do you realize that you're constantly telling me that you don't see? Oh, no, I don't say that, the person said. That's, that's not what I mean when I say that. I said, well, you say it. Well, yeah, but that's not what I mean. And that in, that in us, this person and I, it created an impetus for a conversation that I knew was necessary because of my commitment to try and help people be free in their consciousness because we are free if we can eliminate all of this conditioning and all of this training that has told us for our whole lives and for generations that there's something wrong with us, that we're broken, that, you know, we can only get through it if we, um, you know, if something comes along to save us. Um, so I began to have a conversation. And over time and over the application of, again, the fundamental concepts of unity prayer, of denial and affirmation that, you know, Myrtle Fillmore used so well to heal herself of tuberculosis uh, back in the day. Um, we began working that way with that, and over time, there was eye doctors involved, and over time, it was found out that there was some sort of pressure thing going on with the person and in their eyes, and so the necessary affirmations and denials continued, and the application of medicine that was available and what to do about that all went into play. And in, at the end of the day, the pressure went away, the, the eye trauma diminished, and this person now sees very well and are not, is not troubled with eye pain anymore or migraine headaches as a result of eye pain and pressure on the eyes. So, you know, I align that specifically and directly back to the person kept telling themselves that they couldn't see. It was just their catchphrase. And so I, they kept oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, that's fine. I'm I you know, that's it. That's the fundamental thing. And each of us have something 
that we that we say, you know, like there's a number of people I know that um, go, well, I can't believe I just don't believe that. You know, I just don't believe that. And when you know, when we begin to take responsibility for ourselves in who we are and what we say and start paying attention to how we apply our my thoughts, how I apply my thoughts and how I apply all of the tools that are given to me as a human being with free will on this planet, I begin to see that I have some inherent power here that is generated from that divine consciousness, which is in fact my essential self. What I hear you saying is that the power of life and death are in the tongue. And Absolutely. I'm going back the person who says, I can't see, you know, I can't see. And so they're speaking, you know, they're speaking lack over themselves. Whether they mean yep. to or whether they don't mean to, they said that the uh, subconscious has no sense of humor, right? You read these, you know, yep. and it it takes commands and it takes it literally. Absolutely. So, and it goes to work. Now, you don't see these things immediately, right, because, and here is something, and I, I wish I could remember this phrase, but it I, I don't want to say it wrong. I think it was Shin, but uh, meaning that we have the opportunity to chew back our words. We can we can retract and read our words and redirect the universe. The power of, of life and death is in the tongue. So, And I believe that this is the reason why you don't go blind the first time you say it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I and I had this conversation when I was, you know, doing my <laughs> talking to people in my travels and saying, hey, we're going to have this, I'm gonna have this topic on my show. You really ought to check it out. And, you know, what do you think about this? And some one of the comments that I got the most of was, well, I don't really believe that because I've been saying, you know, these things for years. And I said, well, the universe, is, it, 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 has, it happens. It starts moving. But the manifestation of that thing, whatever it is, that and then and, and the other thing is I'm sorry to cut you off but the other thing is is that we have to be able to discern in the subtleties you know I'm, I'm sorry I cut you off but the subtleties no, no, no. are so important you know like you know I keep saying if for instance I would keep saying well a bomb's going to drop in my yard cancel that I didn't mean to say that um, and then. You know, the, and you say to me, well, I'm going to be talking about this. And I say, well, I say this all the time and no bombs ever dropped. But, you know, there's tree limbs that fall constantly. There's um, 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 loud booms that happen in my vicinity all the time. And I'm always going, I wonder what that is. And people are firing off 12-gauge shotguns close uh, which is okay around here, but um, those types of things happen. So seeing, being able to see it in the subtleties is also important. Besides having major events happen to someone in their life that seem to be completely disconnected from whatever their catchphrase is, but if a person really begins to realize that everything's connected, and see how this particular significant activity happened very probably as a result of thoughts held and or conversations 
that kept being repeated, um, it, it becomes a whole new environment. It it does, and what you're what you're talking about hitting on there too is becoming self-aware because I frequently find that we as a people can tell you so much about a celebrity or about an athlete and what's going on and TMZ and all the other parts of you know society, but when it comes to our own lives, our personal lives that we cannot escape from, we are with ourselves 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, we're we're in this vehicle and we're you know dragging it around to our activities with us. We are not as aware as you mentioned these you know subtleties, but we're not aware of events within ourselves, even within our lives. I'm amazed, honestly, how yep. little we really know about ourselves because we practice being externally focused instead of internally aware. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And we're conditioned and trained that way. Yes. We're, we're, well, we're conditioned is? and trained, and we've been conditioned and trained. Reverend Paul says that we've been conditioned and trained like this for generations upon generations. And that's why we can see many of the traits of my experience were manifest in my father's experience or my mother's experience or grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents. All the time we heard people say, well, well, your great-grandfather used to do that very thing. <laughs> you know, like, no kidding. <laughs> right. Right, and we and we really are building. We really are building, or what I like to say, creating our own life. Now it could be the life of our dreams when we're creating on purpose, or the life of our words if we're creating by default and not paying attention. Just like that wonderful example you gave of the person yep. who said, "You know, I can't see," and then eventually brought that into their lives. Our words are so important. And, in fact, I want to say that a lot of times our words are catchphrases. And I, this is so, the topic is so important because I would really encourage people to really listen, figure out what your catchphrases are. We're going to take a break right now, go to a commercial break. Okay. And right after this, we're going to come back and talk about our catchphrases and what they're doing to us. Practical Spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back to Everyday Peace. I'm super excited to have with us today Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons. We're talking about habitual words and catchphrases. And we said a little bit before the break that the power of life and death is in our tongues. And I love, Reverend Paul, the example of the person who said, I really can't see, I really can't see, as part of their regular ordinary, everyday conversation, not knowing that they were speaking to the universe, giving a command to the universe, and that it did come to fruition that this individual did suffer with their vision and eventually had to have a lot of prayer and a lot of work. And I want to talk to you hopefully a little bit, a little bit later in this program today about your work as a shaman and studying with the shamans. But 
catchphrases. What so often do you believe that our catchphrases are so negative? I, I think about, you know, oh, you're killing me, you know, <laughs> or um, yeah. Yeah. these these kinds of things. They are, why do you think we as a people, of course not each and every one of us, but I would say a large majority of the population gravitate to negative um, phrase, catchphrases that really would diminish their quality of life, things that they don't want to see happen in their life. Why do we do that? In your opinion. So, so you're, the question you're asking me is calling me forward to give you an opinion. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm happy to do that, except I want it clear straight out that what I'm about to say is my opinion on this. And um, uh, everybody's got one, and mine may or may not have some validity. But the way I see it is that, particularly in the Western world, when I was on hold waiting to come on here, I heard the end of the other program that was just before us. And the person was talking about what is happening in the Western world and how much we can experience the feeling of of clean air here and fresh water and this real idea of love is present in the Western world. Well, in the Western world as well, we've been basically trained out of of a of an attitude towards the Constantinian Bible that basically starts in the very beginning and tells us that we're damaged, that our great-great-great forefathers made some activity that caused God to be upset, and therefore God looked down on us as human beings, and that damage carries forward. And all our—we are trained that our life is about um, making compensation or repentance for that original sin, and therefore, if we do well enough, we may end up in a place known as heaven, but if we do not, then we'll be captured by a negative thing, and we'll end up in a place not as desirable as heaven, which sets us up to be focused on gloom and doom from the get-go. That's oh, my opinion. Right. So, of course, you're talking about um, the Garden of Eden and them being cast out. That's my assumption, anyway. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's it and, for sure. And, and of course, you know that 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 is taught over and over again. And so you're right. We, we're and what I was going with that. My opinion was that we are a people who are born into and fed a constant diet of fear. And Absolutely. So, and that fear-based diet leads us to have negative-based conversation. Even, you know, like I said, you know, that phrase when people are laughing, I mean, they're having a time in their life usually, and they're just falling out laughing, and, oh, stop, you're killing me, right? Yep. <laughs> and, and, you know, here is a time when they're so joyous and they got this great energy and it's positive and everybody's roaring with laughter, and it should be really, you know, you're bringing life to me. You're bringing life to me because this is what this energy is doing. It's energizing you. And it's infectious, and it would yep. have the power and strength to to uh, probably brighten a whole room if we spoke it into existence properly. But because we're fed this constant diet of fear, and I love how you take it back to uh, 
you know, our teachings and traditional teachings, how we're taught that we will we should spend the rest of our lives. I think it does say that, you know, that um you know, the serpent will forever be, you know, striking at the woman's heel and you'll crush his head and this yep. you know, the sort of saying that for the rest of our lives we'll be in this struggle and struggle yep. to survive and then a struggle to redeem ourselves because uh, we are from this original sin is where we or- originate from. And, and yet the the Christ, the Christ that Jesus basically came to earth to say that the old law is no longer in play. There's now a new idea. I am here, the Christ that Jesus said, to relieve you of this burden and to say to you that you are born in the image and likeness of God, just as I am. The Christ that Jesus is talking about that. So that speaks loudly to our Christed consciousness, which is in fact that animating aspect of our existence as an individual on the planet. But that part gets left out, you know, it just gets left out. It's really hard for people to, we just haven't been taught that in fact, this man, Jesus came to to stand in the face of the constabulary and go, what y'all been doing is over. We got something new here and I'm here to share it with you. And they said, well, thanks a lot, but uh, we're not going to let that happen. <laughs> we got right, other right. commitments. <laughs> right, because we are wedded to this fear and basically, you know, uh, this is how it's going to be. And we had a guest yep. in here a while back, Lavidia Bronson, who wrote a book, and the name of the book escapes me, but one of the phrases that she said, or I've heard her say many times, is that Jesus Christ has already paid the price for everything. Please don't expect me to continue to try to pay it. Yep. It's already been paid in yep. full. So, yep. And it, either either we believe that or we don't. Yep. Either, and and again, that and, and so that goes directly back to our thought process, and it goes directly back to our personal catchphrases. When we begin to take responsibility for the state of our consciousness, then we can deny that fear. That's what Myrtle Fillmore got when she went to the week's um, uh, convocation. She walked away with that going, hold on a minute. I am made in the image and likeness of God, and there is no sickness in God. Therefore, I am well. And she took that, and she went home, and she spent the next two years denying the lie and affirming the faith. I am well. I am made in the presence and likeness of God, and there is no sickness in God, and therefore I am well. And my... Go ahead. And I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but I don't want our listeners to miss something that was so very important. She went home, and for how many years? Two, Two years. years. Solid. Confessed, right. She confessed the truth for two years. 
right? I think that's where people lose steam right there, Reverend Paul, is because, hey, I confess the truth for two hours, two days, maybe two weeks. Okay, forget about it. Right. Right. Because we're addicted to instant gratification. Absolutely addicted to instant gratification. Right. And not oh only God. did she not only did she do it for two years, basically she did it for two solid years in the same location at the same time every day. It was a truly disciplined activity in where she took responsibility. She took spiritual responsibility for the condition of her physicality and made a statement to God as the universe, this is what's so. Positive faith confession requires discipline. Absolutely. Now, that's that word, you know, and I love how you said, you know, we live in instantaneous gratification we are conditioned to that, and I think because of that, a lot of times, and this is another thing that came up when I talked to people about this fabulous conversation that I knew I was going to have with you today, which is another positive <laughs> confession because I knew this uh, discussion was going to be just riveting. But people constantly were telling me that they feel like they've just been stuck in a rut, and one of the things I attribute to that is that you work. You use your tongue both ways, and so you pull to the forward and you pull backwards, and you make no progress. You stay right there in the middle because you confess positively, and then you deny, and then you confess positively, and then you deny, and the, you're you're not moving because you're putting energies on both ends of the spectrum continuously. You're not disciplining yourself in one direction. Those people who are who are consciousness conscious enough to say, hey. I do want to use my words to bless my life and move it in the right direction, but two years is a long time to speak power and positive and truth over my situation. And so when I feel badly, when my when my physical body does not agree with the confession that I'm making from my mouth, I speak on that, and then that pulls me in one direction, and then I, oh, I go to a seminar. Maybe I come here, Reverend Paul, talk, and, and then, oh, yeah, for another two days I'm speaking that way. How do we get out of that so that we, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, we're using our catchphrases are those that are developed to move our life in a desired direction. Well, we we have to take responsibility for ourselves enough to look at, quote, end quote, successful people. So any successful person I know, and I'm just going to use an example because it's easy for me, for me, and I'm going to say Michael Jordan. So Michael Jordan, when he was the best basketball player in the world, if he's not still the best basketball player in the world, um, he his whole life, from the moment... <clears throat> From the moment as a young person, he said, I'm, I'm going to do basketball. From that moment forward, his whole life was about basketball. He ate, slept, bathed, wore clothes. Whatever he did, 
he did basketball. Whatever it was, it was basketball. No matter what, it was basketball. He didn't become Michael Jordan, the dude that could fly from the top of the key all the way over the crowd and slam the ball in a hole overnight without any effort. He had to continuously apply his truth. And his truth was, I am the best basketball player there is. And the and same thing is true, true for any of us. Excuse me? Right. And he maintained that truth when physical evidence pointed to the contrary. When he was cut Absolutely. From, the, from the team, he maintained that I am still, you know, a basketball player or whatever his truth was. He maintained it even when physical circumstances would appear to be the contrary. That is the thing that we really, at least for me, that I really want to see and hear people believe and know about themselves, that your what your eyes see do not determine what you can create in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've been given that power. We've been given creative power. When we talk about Absolutely. having a life of peace every day, we've been given creative power. We can do this. And I, I like how you say, you know, you got to choose who, who you're, you know, who you're paying attention to. I also believe you got to choose who you are around. I mean, not we're not going to we absolutely, story, but we got to get around people who are using positive faith confession, who, not people who are going to agree with you when you say, oh, this is the worst day ever. They'll say, hey, wait a second. I, right. I, 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 bet, I bet you we could see this day like this if we really looked at it. Or even better yet to go, you know, by the way, when you say this is the worst day that ever happened to you, you're just making it happen. So if you'd like a different day, why don't you stop that and do something else? <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, that's right. because I'm a real direct character. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that straight too. Right? Why don't you stop and do something else? And so often, what do we say? I don't have any choices. Well, I, it, uh, it's always been this way. I really, there's another another saying that goes on that everybody's got, and I hear it ev- all the time. I do not accept it as so, and that is life is hard. So get used to it, you know, like that is, in my opinion, one of the single most self-defeating statements there is, is, you know, is the whole idea that this is some sort of, of trauma that that we have to go through. And, and, you know, Gravon, as well as I do, that our only option is to go, no, thank you. That is not my truth. Cancel that. I am the presence of God wherever I am. And therein lies the power. And that's what makes participating at a at a unity spiritual center on a regular basis or another um, um, new thought or expanded consciousness organization so valuable. It's to make those connections with people of like mind. So as to garner that support and to maintain that conscious connection with an understanding of my own divinity. It's phenomenal what can happen. 
it is I am sitting here like just on cloud nine with this conversation because when we really realize that your your opening statement, one of your opening statements is that God the good. God, God the, the good. good and I are one. That's right? the first the very first basic principle of the unity movement. There is one presence and one power in the universe and in our lives. God the good. God the good. And so in my in, in Drayvon speak, how how I've interpreted that my entire life is that no matter what shows up in my life, it has shown up for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to bow down and serve me as I create the life of my dreams. And so if 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 a storm happens and if all there is is God and if God is good, then some kind of way I may not be able to see it and I and I could point to 10 trillion things that have happened in my journey, and I'm sure everybody else could as well, that did not look like they were good. They just, I could say, hey, this, <laughs> this, I don't know what this is, but I'm not, I wouldn't say that it's good. But if I, if I really look past the actual, the physical part of this to, to the good that is going to occur within me and through me, because I am experiencing, I'm, I'm being allowed to experience this and not getting focused on it feels bad. It it, it hurts. You know, so often, you know, we, it, I'll just talk to Drayvon, do not want to experience any pain. <laughs> yeah. Right? But we can yep. use pain. Pain is useful, too. We can use that, too. Anything that shows up in our life. Because if God is all there is and if God is good, then it stands to reason that there is good in this moment, in the, no matter what this moment is. Absolutely. You know, and, and another thing that I think is so important is if, one, if an individual, if, if Reverend Paul accepts that I am the presence of God wherever I am, then what can possibly be more important than realizing that divine presence? What possibly can take precedence over that? A new car? <laughs> right. A better yeah, right. job? Right. <laughs> oh, I got I, I can't I can't I gotta go do a better job. <laughs> it's it's laughable in Reverend Paul's opinion. Right, it is laughable. I mean when you when you when you say it that way, when you break it down to that, it makes everything, you know, pale by comparison like oh my gosh this is this is the only worthwhile mission in my life right and 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 from there comes peace my darling and from there comes the peace that you were talking about in your opening Right. So, and, and and there's so many, so many wise things. I I I quote the Bible a lot because that's my background. But you know, it says, "Seek thee the Lord with all thy heart." Right. And Amen. When you do this, when you live in this space, you're right. That's where peace is, and all these things will be afforded unto you. So you don't have to love the car. You don't have to love the job or the career. You know, and, and dare I say, yep. even the spouse. You have to really set your your sights on 
what really matters. And all yep. these other things will be added unto you. Don't don't you don't have to fret over any of that. That's right. When we have when we have our focus right, and we change some catchphrases. And it, I knew this was going to happen to me because we were almost out of time. And I want I have so much more that I want to say to you, but and I want us to talk about. But I I don't want to cheat the listeners because I would love for you to tell the listeners how they can connect with you, where they can find you, where I found you in your beautiful Williamsburg. Uh, but how they can connect with you because you have so much to offer and so much to teach and an hour is not nearly enough time for us to dig in and talk about all that you have to give. So how can our listeners connect with you? So um, I am Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons and my email address is unity at unitywilliamsburg.com unitywilliamsburg.com and of course, they can find you if they if they're in the Williamsburg area. They can visit you at your church. They most certainly place. can. Um, and again, the if if they go to unity www.unitywilliamsburg.com is our um, uh, website. And of course, the address and everything's there. But we're at six two four Queens Creek Road, Williamsburg, Virginia. Two three one eight five. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I want to. I have to tell you one of the things that I do, Reverend Paul, is that I, I try not to leave a lot of things and a lot of things that come up out of my mouth. I try not to leave them to chance. So I'm a person. I know people hear me say this all the time. I get up in the morning. I write an active gratitude card. I, I put some intentions on there. Usually one intention on there that's going to be my focus for the day. But as we're talking about catchphrases, I know people um, have to develop new catchphrases. You got to have something that's a go-to phrase that you can use. And I would encourage people think of some things that are positive, but really, you know. People are jokesters. I know you want to joke. You want to make other people laugh. You want to have something that's quick in your tongue that you can say. You know, um, one of the things I say a lot <laughs> is bringing me life, and that's one of my catchphrases that I tell people, I go, oh, this, this whole situation is just bringing me life. And But I would encourage people, get some catchphrases, some go-to phrases that you can use. Evaluate what you're saying from your mouth and see what you can say, say in place of it. Absolutely. And work on that for 21 days. What we do for 21 days, they say, it becomes a habit. So I think we could join in that. What, you know, do you have any? May I, may I offer your you and your listeners one uh, catchphrase yes. that I know is powerful? I would. Love Whenever to. anyone says, "Hi, how you doing? Hey, what's been going on? How's the family?" Uh, the response is, "I." am well. Love it. I am well. That's an I am well. That's a we are phrase. well. All is well. That you oh, know and, and the the repetition of that, like you just said, the repetition of that is just what Myrtle Fillmore did for two years that healed herself from tuberculosis that was hers her whole life and in her family going back at least two generations. I 
am well. A statement of truth. We are well. All is well. Three simple words. Easy. It flows off the tongue. I absolutely love that. I would um, encourage us, 21 days, take it one day at a time. Someone asks you, hey, what's going on? I am well. Absolutely. It, it's this, these these practices are what I call simple complex because, and I love that phrase because they're simple. Any one of us can do this. This stuff, this life is designed to be easy. I believe that. We complicate it because we, you know, people just want to challenge. But uh, the complex thing, if there is any complex thing, is sticking to it. Sticking to it when everyone says, you know, oh, that's kind of you know corny. Why are you saying that? Say it anyway. Right. Say it anyway. Say it when when you don't feel it. Say it anyway. Change your world. I am so grateful we're out of time. I I know we have like just a minute left. Thank you for being here, Reverend Paul. You are amazing. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And to our listeners, we'll see you here. We'll listen right here next Monday as we bring you another show to teach us how to develop a life of peace every day. I absolutely love you guys. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life, no matter what you've been through? you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.